0: Would you go with me to First Corinthians chapter number twelve? Praise God. First Corinthians chapter twelve. Thank you, Lord. Verse twenty-six. Paul is writing to us, the church. That's what he says. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church. First, now, let me pause for that a second. If you read that, you're like, hold on, he just said some in the church? No, he said everybody that's in the church, in the church. But he's saying he's setting some different ministries is what he's alluding to here. He said some in the church. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. These are all ministries. Ministries and giftings. Okay? After that, miracles. Then gifts of healing. Helps. Governments or administration diversities of tongues, verse 29, that begs the question, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And so the Apostle Paul is writing to us, the church, and trying to make sure we understand that, hey, there's multiple ministries in this functioning body by God's design. And not new to us, we are not in competition with one another. The ministry of one will be different than the ministry of the other. That's God's design. Are all prophets are all that's what Paul's asking. Is everybody supposed to operate this way? No. Now, we all operate in agreement and alignment with the Word of God. We all operate under His authority and in the order of authority. We understand that. But all of us aren't going to have the same ministry. We agree. Okay? And so, this is important, not just for, first and foremost, not comparing among ourselves. But it's also important because the adversary will try to get you to... Desire someone else's ministry or gifting or calling and get you to discount or not seek to understand your place in ministry and calling that God's given you. And we need each part. We need each function in the body. The Lord did this. We understand that. Some of you guys are thinking, Brother Hart, we spent four months talking about the body. Are we really going there again? No, not really. I don't think we're just. This is just a reminder. This is just quick highlight stuff because you got four months of it, so you get a Cliff Notes version. But we need to understand the context, okay? The context. So Paul is writing this, and if we would have read all of First Corinthians chapter twelve, which we didn't because I took a little time, if we would have read all of First Corinthians chapter twelve, we understand that he's writing about spiritual gifts spiritual gifts in the body. Of course, it's where we see nine of the spiritual gifts listed in verses 8 through uh, 10. I, I believe there's more than nine spiritual gifts. So we just read nine of them here. Different Bible study, different time. But we see him talking to the church about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, and then setting members, and then gifts in operation, and is everybody using and operating the same gift, and and all of these things. He says all of these things, and then after that, verse 31, he makes this statement, but covet earnestly. I thought you should not covet. Obviously, he's talking about desire, right? Desiring right things. He says, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. I like the way this reads in the New English translation. Paul said, but you should be eager for the greater gifts. And now I will show you a way that is beyond comparison. All these spiritual gifts, is everybody prophets, apostles, healing, gifts of tongues. No, no. He said, but covet earnestly the best. And now I'm going to show you a way that's beyond comparison with any of them. And he keeps writing his letter. Men put the chapters there, right? He keeps writing his letter, chapter 13, verse 1. He's speaking about spiritual gifts. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, I can't talk. And I can remove mountains and I have not charity, I am. What? Nothing. What? Nothing. Let's read verse 3 because we might have to come back to that. And though i bestow all not some all my goods to feed the poor and though i give my body to be burned and i have not charity or love it profiteth me what nothing nothing now i have a question for you what would you think of your brother or sister If you knew, they have the gift of prophecy. They have such amazing faith. They speak and mountains move and the sick are healed and the dead are raised. And I've personally watched. They've given everything. You think they're pretty amazing people, wouldn't you? Pretty high bar, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you? Is that too real? What do you think? Man, they are. They're spiritual. They're spiritual. Prophetic. Faith. Move mountains. Giving of everything. Sacrificing their body. Paul said, if I do all of that, and I don't have love, I am nothing. 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 Now we just read in the chapter before, earlier in his letter, to covet earnestly the best gifts. Isn't that what he said? So we should desire the gifts. But he said, I'm going to show you something that's beyond comparison. And it has nothing, to, well, I shouldn't say it has nothing to do. And it's not the gifts, it's love. It's love not warm and fuzzy kind of kumbaya my love but deep abiding powerful love that touches a life when you come in contact with them and they can't deny it's not natural it's the love of god that reaches through a life touches a heart can i tell you something i don't mean this in a bad way you you, you know me you The world doesn't care that I speak with tongues. I thank God. Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. But he was writing to the church. The world doesn't care. You say, well, if I give all my money to the poor, they'll know. Well, if it's not done in love. Doesn't really matter. This love is not human. This love is not natural. This love is supernatural. Our world is filled with division. And I submit to you the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And we live in a world that is filled with indifference. What do you mean? Do what you want to do. I don't care. You want to treat yourself that way? Okay. No love, no hate, just indifference. Everybody, love must permeate every part of our being I want to operate in the gifts. Don't misunderstand me. We need the gifts of the Spirit in operation. They should be in operation now more than they've ever been, and I believe they're going to come to the forefront like they never have as we yield ourselves to Him. But they will not fully and properly flow without love. They are designed to flow through and operate in the love of God. It's the reason First Corinthians 13 is between chapter 12 and chapter 14. Because the gifts are meant to operate through the love of God. And you show me someone that operates in the gifts, that doesn't operate in the love of God, and I'll show you somebody that is hurting people. How is it some people can wave their coat at somebody and make them fall out and make them healed? I'm not naming any names here, I'm just saying. What's going on? You question, and I I don't know what spirit they're of. I'm not judging it. But love, I have watched the gifts in operation where there wasn't love, and I watched people be damaged and hurt. Gifts of discernment and speaking words of knowledge, gifts of the spirit, right but not operating through love and damaging a life and hurting a life. I will never forget when I was young in ministry, I made an awful mistake. I'll spare you the details. If you want to know, you can ask me later. I'll share it. And a, it was an awful mistake because it affected other people's lives. You know, the worst mistake isn't the one that affects yours. It's the one that affects somebody else and and this man that operated in the gifts had word of knowledge he began speaking to people and he began to speak a word of knowledge to a couple about a child being born they had no children it was not public knowledge about their situation and he began to speak to it publicly it damaged those people in even after several recovery efforts it didn't take long they were gone it was the gift of the spirit operating but not in love love discerns too love discerns too and so we need the love of god all of these things. I mean, we read that, and most, many of us maybe could even quote that, though I have the gift of, it, you know, I, but I have not love, I'm nothing. He really meant that, you know. Paul really meant that. Though I can do all this stuff, though I could operate in all the gifts, if love, the love of God, does not flow through my life and operate through my life and minister through my life, I am nothing. I may think I'm something, but Paul declared it. He came to the understanding, and I'm sure he was used in the gifts. He came to the understanding. If the love of God is not operating through me to these people I'm reaching for, then my gifts mean nothing and I'm nothing. The gifts that God's given me, I must have love flowing through. I don't care if I'm the greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the planet, and I don't believe I am, but if you understand, if I don't have love, it doesn't matter. I don't care if I can dissect the word and lay it out to you as wonderfully as you've ever heard it. If I don't have the love of, if it's not flowing through, if the love of God is not the filter through which it flows, then I'm nothing. This is what Paul was trying to get across to the body. Remember, where we, this is why we started with the verses we started with. He was talking to the body and about ministry in the body and places he said. But everybody in the body, while there's differences in calling, while there's differences in ministry, while there's differences in gifts, there is no difference in what all of it should operate through. Every one of us, no matter our calling, our ministry, our place in the body, there must be this operation of the love of God in us, with us, and through us. And hear me, there is only one way for that to happen. We must be in an abiding relationship with Him. We must be in a place where He abides in us. And we abide in Him. And thereby the love of God flows through us. John said it this way. I love Him. Not because I'm capable. But I love Him because He first loved me. This is why you must settle the fact that He loves you. If you can't settle and understand how much He loves you and I, we can never be a full conduit for His love to flow through. If I'm questioning His love for me, then what's going to happen is I'm going to question His love for somebody else. So i got to quit believing the lies of the adversary and let the love of God flow to me and through me. It's why one of the greatest ways if I struggle with believing He loves me one of the greatest ways to allow the love of God to begin to minister to me so I know it's real, is find somebody else to pour into. What happens? It opens the door for love to flow. And I begin to recognize the love of God. How do you know when it's His love? Simple. Simple. You read the other three, four verses that come after. Charity suffers long; it's kind; it doesn't envy; it doesn't vaunt itself; it's not puffed up; doesn't behave itself unseemly; doesn't seek its own; isn't easily provoked; doesn't. Th- we, sh- we should pause on those last three words right there. What's that say? Thinketh no evil. If my mind, the first place I go in thinking about someone or something is a critical place, it's not the love of God. Remember Paul said, he was talking about the body. He was still in full context, not just the gifts, but the gifts in the body. Love should be in the body. Jesus, hereby you'll know, my disciples The love, you have one for another. Love should operate through the body. Okay? And it only comes through abiding relationship with him. And so it thinks no evil. It doesn't think ill of my brother. It sort of bugs me that apple, you know, this that apple. It sort of bugs me that they have a It's not a mission statement. What's it called when you have these bullet items for your company? Values. Thank you. Like they're company values, corporate values they have. And I haven't looked at them lately. I think it's probably still there. But they have a corporate value that says always give your coworker the benefit of the doubt. for the church always give your brother the benefit of the doubt I haven't always done that I want the love of God to flow through me I want the love of God to flow through me don't you love thinks no evil this is how we know if it's his love or mine the word is how we discern the difference it thinks no evil it doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there's all these gifts, they'll fail. They'll cease. They'll acknowledge. It'll vanish. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. Watch verse 11. We quote this verse a lot, but we forget it's in this chapter. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up. Everybody say, when I grew up. I grew up. That's right. When I grew up, what did I do? Stop being a child. Stopped acting childish. Why is that verse in here? Apparently, there's something to do with the love of God and spiritual maturity. I'm going to say that again. There's something to do with the love of God and spiritual maturity. My kids never said this to my knowledge, and definitely never to my face. They wouldn't have had the boldness to say it to my face, I don't think. Because we'd had a quick talk and then we'd went to the proverbial woodshed. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, look it up on Google. And, but I've heard it along the way. I've heard, again, little kids say, "I don't love you anymore." Have I ever heard that? Maybe not from your child, right. Or you don't love me. What do they know about love? Right, they're a child. Their expression is an expression of a child that hasn't matured in love. Their measure of love is—it's it, very surface. It's very material. It's very much about them, right? Well, you won't buy me that Oreo Blizzard. That's what I want. <laughs> Sounds so good. <laughs> Sorry, <I don't. laughs> Sorry, flesh. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good, you? There you go. <laughs> I'm having trouble getting back here. You won't buy me. Right. It's very me focused, me focused, me focused. That's not maturity in love. And so, when the love, right, that's, and that's exactly the context that the Apostle Paul is writing to the body of Christ about. He's saying, Hey, I'm talking to you about letting the love of God flow through you and how it should operate. I don't care if you got all these gifts going on if you don't have love. And if you got love, you're going to have some maturity in your life. Because when I was a child, I spoke like one. So he's saying, How you talk tells you whether you got love going on or not. I spake as a child, I understood. That's the way I, That's what I let come into my thinking. Well, I think they meant, see, I understood like a child. I processed thought like a child. He said, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, when I became a spiritually mature individual, what did I do? He didn't say, I just didn't think that way or speak that way anymore. He said, I put away. There was an action on his part. I put away. I'm just not going to speak that way anymore. i got to put that away. This is a product of the love of God, not self-will. We want it to be self-will. And what that says is I don't have time for the abiding relationship with God so that the love of God is developed and flows through my life. I'll just do the things I'm supposed to do. That's being pharisaical, by the way. But when I abide in him and I let the love of God operate in my life, these things begin to flow out. And why is this so important? And you'll notice verse 13, now abides faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Verse 1 of chapter 14, he says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, I'm hurrying to finish here. He went right back into spiritual gifts after he talked about this flowing of the love of God. So he wasn't discounting the spiritual gifts. He was simply trying to make sure the church understood we all have different ones where we started at the end of chapter 12, these different ministries and gifts and operation. But all of them in operation, they must, the way that they'll flow and function to the edifying of the body, the strength of the body. The body, in one place he said, it makes increase of itself in. Oh, yeah, that's in there, isn't it? Maketh increase of itself in love. You know what the greatest testimony of a guest to your Bible study or a guest that comes into your home for dinner, or a guest that comes here on a Sunday or Thursday. The greatest testimony isn't, Man, I saw miracles. The greatest testimony isn't, man, people were healed. The greatest testimony is, Man, I felt the love of God there. That's the t- that's the testimony I want. I mean that with all my heart. Brother Lewis, I'd love to lay hands on the sick and see him healed. And it happened. More than that, I want the love of God to flow through my life. I want to come in contact with somebody. And by his great grace, I want his love to flow through. And I want there to be something to so touch their life that they can't deny Not a gift, a fruit flowing through you and through I. Let the love of God minister to a life. It's okay to desire gifts. Just get in the proper order. Let me show you two of the verses really quick. First Peter chapter four, verse eight, again, very familiar. Peter says all kinds of stuff, talks about the suffering of Christ. But verse 8, he says, above all things. Everybody say, "Above above all things. Above all things have what? Fervent charity. We quote James 5, 16 a lot, right? Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We like that verse, right? The effectual what prayer? Fervent. Same word. Above all things have fervent charity. I would submit to you. I'm more concerned with fervent love. Than fervent prayer. But I believe. You can't have one without the other. Because it's fervent prayer that gets you in the fellowship of him who is love. And and Peter, the apostle Peter said, above all things. that Plain English, more than anything else. Have fervent love among yourselves. Why? Notice there's a colon there. Why? For charity or love shall cover the multitude of sins. The difference between a guest walking into your Bible study, your home for dinner, sitting down with you for coffee, or walking in here on a Thursday or Sunday, is whether they feel judged or whether they feel covered. And the difference is the love of God. The love of God convicts a heart. I'm not doing away with conviction. That's why I said it's not warm and fuzzy. But the love of God. The love of God. You know who can hurt you the most? People you love. Is that true? People you love. So what happens when a sinner, a lost soul, begins to feel the love of God reaching to their life. I'll tell you what happens. They begin recognizing, I've hurt him who loves me. And What does that do when you realize you you ever hurt somebody you loved? Remember that feeling? What does it do? Ultimately, it should bring you to a place of wanting to repent and reconcile with that person. Correct? Because you love them. And they love you. and You hurt them. So what happens when a sinner feels the love of God through you and I? i tell you what happens. They recognize they've hurt him who loves them. And godly sorrow starts working in their heart. And godly sorrow leads them to repentance. Love is not warm and fuzzy. Love convicts the soul. You want to see people's lives changed? Get in relationship with him and say, God, above everything else, let your love flow through me. Above everything else. Above everything else. Above everything else, give me a fervent love for every one of my brothers and sisters. He said among yourselves, didn't he? What does that do? When my brother or sister makes a mistake, love covers the multitude of sin. So, come here, Brother Lewis. Pick on you. So, Brother Lewis messes up does something he shouldn't do and I I knew about it maybe even he did it to me this is hypothetical don't walk out of here and say oh no when the love of God is flowing through me I don't want to say brother Robert you're not going to believe what brother Lewis did to me love says I want to cover Not justify, you understand? Love says, I'm gonna cover it till it's healed. I'm gonna seek to cover it. It covers a multitude of sins. Not justifying sin, it covers till there's healing and restoration. You understand? Don't misread the scripture. Oh, you mean like cover it, hide it up so no, no, no. Only the Lord can remove and wash away sin. But the love, when it's fervent among one another, it doesn't seek to air out. It seeks to cover until the Lord can heal and restore and make whole. Does that make sense? That's what he's talking about. Last verses. You can stand with me. John chapter 3. Book of John chapter 3. Verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world. I know you can quote this, but we miss it sometimes. For God so loved the world. Let's be clear. God still loves the world. But the only way they're going to know is you and I. You and I. You and I. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. We need to get that. Love does not condemn. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Verse 18 he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Would you talk to the Lord right now? This isn't just an instant, here you go, you now have love. When the love of God is a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 and 22, or 6 and 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, 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 love. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's produced in our life as we spend time with Him, as we get rooted and grounded in Him, as we fellowship Him. The fruit of the Spirit is produced in our life from spending time with God. Spending time in His Word, fellowshipping Him. And the purpose of fruit is to feed people. And so it should be operating in our lives and through our lives and ministering to lives. Jesus, let your love be made manifest through me. Let your love be made manifest through us, the body of Christ. Let the love of God speak through us. Let the love of God minister through us. Let the love of God be felt on our jobs. Let the love of God minister in the market. Let the love of God minister in our homes. Let the love of God minister. In the gym, let the love of God minister wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves. I pray that we, the people of God, the body of Christ, would be conduits for the flowing love of God to reach into a heart, to convict them by the power of your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray, baptize us in your love, I pray. In the, name of Jesus, in the 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 name of Jesus. There's a. His name just left me. Tory uh, came back to me. He no longer lives, but his name was R.A. Torrey. Some of you may have heard of him. Um, He's written books on prayer. Um, To my knowledge, uh, he wasn't apostolic, but he was known to have a life of prayer and relationship with God. And he would tell stories of how, like in one example, he was on a plane, he was tired sitting there, wasn't in conversation, and just, and I don't remember where he was going, how long the flight, I don't remember any of those details. But time went by, and the person beside him kept looking over at him, kept looking over at him, kept looking over at him, and again, he he wasn't engaging in conversation. He said, finally, after some length of time, The person looked over at him and just was weeping, tears flowing down their face. And said, please just tell me what I need to do to be saved. Whatever I feel just sitting beside you. I would submit to you it was the love of God. I would submit to you it was the love of God. love of God is powerful. But there's only one way for it to go, to grow. It's a fruit. You got to abide in Him. He's the vine. We're the branches. You got to abide in Him. And If we abide in Him, He abides in us. I believe the love of God will flow through our lives. Amen.